0: Well, we're in a series on Jonah, Lessons from the Fish Hotel. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you don't want to go to this one, believe me. And I want to talk about God's love boat. This is one you do not want to take a cruise on. This is not a happy carnival cruise ship, but I want to read to you from Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. By the way, I don't care where you are today. I don't care what garbage dump you may be in. You can pray. You can pray from there, just as easy as the guts of a fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the water closed over me, seaweed wrapped around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. (laughs) Well, we're studying this little book of Jonah. And one of the problems about Jonah is that a lot of people think they know the story, but they don't. The average person associates Jonah with one other character. Want to guess which? The whale. The story does not actually use the word whale in the Hebrew language, and that's very significant. We'll look at that in a little while. Last week, we looked at the first chapter. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, go to Nineveh, and then he said, tell them about God's love. Jonah doesn't want to do that. It's a bad place. So he gets on a ship and goes to Tarshish, opposite direction. So God sends a storm, and the ship is about to go down. Jonah tells the sailors, throw me over the side. And when they do, the storm stops. Meanwhile, Jonah's going into the sea, and he thinks, like you and me, I'm a dead man. So Jonah is sinking into the sea, but the Lord appoints a great fish To swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside this fish three days and three nights that kind of strikes me kind of funny and unusual sort of an unexpected detail and that word appointed for this fish could be translated commissioned it was a governing word it's what a king would do if he was going to appoint an ambassador or something it's something you do to a person but it's used here for a fish and the picture is God saying, hey, fish, yes, sir, Lord, that God says, go pick up Jonah. Directions will be given on a need-to-know basis. And this is important, swallow, don't you? I'll tell you when and where to drop him off. The fish says, okay, Lord. Now, let me say that we want to be the kind of a church where nobody ever has to pretend to believe anything where we say what we think we're supposed to say instead of what we think. The point of Jonah is not that there is really a fish where in everyday life out here in our oceans, a human could survive for three days. The point is it would take a miracle. And the real question is, are miracles possible? And by the way, there is no species of fish out there. This is a one-time, one-off created fish. We don't even know what it looked like. Had to be kind of special though, right? I mean, God created the heaven's and the earth, so he can create a fish for a specific. Now everybody wants to go out and says, well, we can't find any species that could possibly do it. It must be a fable. No, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I don't have any problem believing for a miracle. God does a lot of those. And you need to believe he can do that for you, a miracle. And the heart of our faith is this. There's a God, an all-powerful God. He raised Jesus from the dead. And that happened in history. So to God, nothing's impossible. If he can raise Jesus' dead body from the grave, he can keep a guy in storage in a fish hotel for a couple of days. So don't get hung up on what kind of fish it was, or you'll miss the whole purpose of the writer. The point is, a spiritual message that God is up to something really, really good. And the primary word associated with God in Jonah is great. It starts by God saying to Jonah, I want you to go to the great city of Las Vegas, Nineveh. You pick it, okay? Because it turns out God has a great heart for that great city. And that shocks, maybe offends a lot of Christians. Sin City. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not usually. And we could pick San Francisco. We could just pick a lot of places. Then Jonah runs the other way. So the Bible says God sends a great wind and it produces a great storm. You hear the greats? It then says these pagan sailors converted to God through great fear. Then God appoints a fish for Jonah. Anybody want to guess what adjective the Bible uses to describe that fish? It's a great fish. So God is doing something great in the story. But Jonah does his best to mess everything up. If the main word for God is great, the main word for Jonah is down. God says, go to Nineveh, Jonah goes down to Joppa. Then he goes down in a ship to Tarshish. Then he goes down in the ship into the hole, the bottom of the ship where he sleeps. Then he goes down into the water in the storm. Then he goes down into the fish, and the fish goes down to the bottom. Jonah is lower than a whale's belly. He's gone to rock bottom, and maybe you have too. You know, the sea was a place of great fear, great terror, and a place of death. Well, guess what? Jonah Jonah is locked up in this fish in the dark. What do you think Jonah does in the fish? There's no internet connection. He prays right from the guts of this fish. He prays to the Lord. In my distress, he said, I called out to the Lord. And he answered me from the depths of the grave. I call for help. And you listen to my cry. And he'll hear yours. Jonah hits bottom Physically. And from the guts of the fish, and he hits bottom emotionally. In my distress, I called. And spiritually, and from the depths of the grave, I called. This is a strange story. Praying from the guts of a fish. Old Jonah has gone a long time without praying. He hadn't talked to God. He gets on a ship to Tarshish. He hadn't prayed about the ship. He's not talking to God at all. He was told to go to Nineveh. He goes to Joppa. He ends up in the sea. In the belly of a fish. Why do you think Jonah prayed in that fish? Well, Sparky, he had nothing better to do. What else are you going to do in the belly of a fish? He had nowhere else to turn. And do you know why in our world most people have such a hard time praying? Because we've got so many other competitive things to do. So many voices. So many crutches. So many screens we can turn on. So much noise that we produce that allow us to avoid having to face what's going on in our mind. We've got tons of distractions. Well, oh, Jonah ain't got any. He's got nowhere to run, nowhere to turn, no other option. God brings Jonah down, down, down to a place of desperation in a fish in the sea. And the honest truth is Jonah turns to God because he's got nowhere else to go. And sometimes that's a good thing. It's not true for everybody, but sometimes God will take you to a place where there's just nothing else to do. And we, we Christians look on some people like that. Well, the only reason he came to the Lord. Well, who cares? He came to the Lord. I don't care what it, what reason it is. It's a good thing if it brings you to the Lord. And the entire first chapter of Jonah is about all Jonah's human effort. Jonah makes plans. Jonah's got money, got resources. He's going places, and it's a total disaster, you know, and and the storm hits. And Jonah, well, his big story and all of his plans stop. In the second chapter of Jonah, there's no human effort at all by Jonah. He can't do anything, can't go anywhere. He just prayed. And then good stuff starts to happen for Jonah. Jonah goes as low as you can go, lower than a whale's belly. And this man in the guts of a fish, in a storm, by a boat, in the bottom of the ocean, discovers there is God. It's all about hitting bottom. And then this part of his prayer in Jonah chapter 2. It says, the engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head when my life was ebbing away, when my life was ebbing away. He says, I remembered you, Lord, my prayers rose to you. Jonah comes to realize that what looked so bad, hitting the bottom, the wind, the storm, getting thrown overboard, was actually working out to be the best thing that ever happened to him. Because it brought him back to God. And God was up to great things. Whatever disaster you're facing, if it brings you back to God, boy, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. I don't think it takes all that tragedy for everybody. But some of us are stubborn. Yeah. Some of us are hard-headed. Yeah. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing at me. I know. And boy, God has to ring your bell. And the good thing is because he loves you. He doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to live in torment. He loves you, and he'll do anything he can to get you and him together. Have you ever been in over your head in life? Pray. Is it your own fault? Pray. Have you not been living the kind of life you think God wants you to live? Pray anyway. Are you concerned because the real truth is, Rick, right now, even if I were to pray, my motives are kind of mixed, and I'm really more selfishly concerned about my own well-being than God's will? Pray anyway. God is never more than a prayer away. I'm telling you the truth. You know, one of the amazing things about God is that He is gracious and merciful. Buddha's not. Muhammad's not. But our God is. So much so that even when Jonah or you or I come to him, just because we hit bottom and we've got nowhere else to go, you know what God said? Okay, come to me. Come on, come to me. So for crying out loud, folks, today, come to him. Well, Jonah does, and God hears, and Jonah gets delivered, and Jonah gets delivered on the third day. The third day is a big day in Bible numerology. Often in the Old Testament, when there was a dramatic rescue on the part of God, it would come on the third day. Jesus was raised on the third day. <coughs> so any reader would expect that Jonah is going to get some dramatic rescue, like a visitation from the angel Gabriel, or fly home on a chariot of fire, or get beamed up through prayer, something like that. But that's not in this story. Verse 10, Jonah 2. <coughs> and the Lord commanded the fish and vomited, it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Now, is it me, or is that a little more detail than I want? If you're wondering why the translators didn't choose a more dignified, churchier word than vomit, it's because the Hebrew word was way more graphic. Okay. Jonah did not get dropped off by an angel. Oh, no. The whale had a protein spill. Tossed his cookies. Lost his lunch. Launched the food shuttle. Took a ride on the regurgitron. Got it? Got <laughs> it. It's almost funny. So Jonah ends up on the shore, a ridiculous figure, covered with shrimp cocktail or whatever else the fish had eaten, and Jonah keeps going down, 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 and these funny, strange things keep happening. Jonah, who ought to be the hero of this story, was told by God to go east, he goes west. A prophet who ought to know better thinks he can run from God by sailing to Tarshish. And a Gentile pagan captain, for crying out loud, is begging this man of God to pray. And pagan sailors, who are not known for their piety, get converted to the God of Israel. Jonah thinks he's going to drown, and God sends a fish like Enterprise rental car pickup. And a writer throws in a regurgitation scene. And the point of all this is Jonah thought he was dead. To end up in the depths of the sea, running away from God in the depths of a grave, going down, down, down. And then it turns out that when human beings are going down, God is always up to something great. And from God's perspective, death, the grave, Sheol are not a problem at all. Human stubbornness, stiff-necked rebellion is not a problem. God laughs at it. God laughs at death. He laughs at the grave. And Jonah ends up getting vomited onto the shore. Jonah, really, you'll see next week, is a joy book because there is another character between every line in the book of Jonah. Jonah is from a town called Gath Hepher, which is a couple of miles from Nazareth. Anybody remember another prophet who came out of Nazareth? Jonah was asleep in a boat in a storm while everybody else was panicking, and they woke him up, and by his actions, the storm was stilled. Does that remind you? of anybody else in the Bible Jonah's name means the dove which is a name that means was given to a beloved one anybody remember somebody else who went down into the water came up out of the water and a dove descended and a voice said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased towards the end of his life Jesus had one sign to give this sorry dark world and he called it the sign of Jonah For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so shall the Son of Man be three nights and three days in the belly of this earth. Then comes the third day. The message of Jonah is a little foretaste of the victory of Jesus who comes to meet us at our lowest place and says, death loses, sin loses, loss loses, sorrow loses, sadness loses, and joy wins where O death is your victory where O grave is your sting see God gets the last laugh okay that's the story of Jonah and it's interesting that because of persecution early followers of Jesus used to meet in a place called catacombs they were tombs underground burial vaults and the early church used to meet there to worship is it me or doesn't that seem kind of an odd place to go from a church growth perspective invite people to meet where dead people are Of course, every weekend I often see a lot of dead people. (laughs) Well, they had to be in a hidden place. You've heard of the place, the underground church. Well, that's exactly where it came from because of persecution. And by the way, the first art inspired by Jesus was not art that appeared in great cathedrals in Europe it was etched or drawn on those hidden catacombs and the Old Testament figure who's found there more than anybody else not Moses not David not Abraham Jonah why because they all got the joke Deliverance is coming. Resurrection is coming. The third day is coming. Jesus is all over the book of Jonah in typology. And the book of Jonah is a great high holy comic book because death gets mocked. What if when the resurrection comes one day? What if when the dead in Christ shall rise? What if when disease and aging, when cancer and heart disease, AIDS and dementia have done their very worst and we go all the way down into the grave? and then come right back up on the other side. What if in that day life is so good, healing and redemption so complete, and our new bodies, oh yeah, so wonderful, and our fellowship with God so sweet going into eternity that we look at each other and say, this is what I was afraid of? I thought death was so awful. It's nothing at all. It's a joke. It has no power before God. It's just a gateway to life. That's the book of Jonah. Well, oh, Jonah hits bottom, and there God is greater than ever before. So what do we do now when we're in over our heads? You pray just like Jonah. I've known some Jonas. One Jonah I knew was a lawyer. He was on a ship of Tarshish, had a lot of cash, was living for a lot more. His sea was a sea of alcohol. He couldn't stay away from it, and he kept going down, down, down. The managing partner of his law firm told him, your next bender will be your last one with this law firm. He seemed okay for a couple of months, and then he was found in a hotel where he had been binge drinking for three days, out of control. He lost his job. He got put into a rehab clinic for a month. And then he got assigned a sponsor who told him that he would have to get up every morning at 6 a.m. for an AA meeting. His response was, no way I'm getting up at 6 a.m. to meet with a bunch of drunks. Of course, he was one. His sponsor said, not only are you going to meet with them, you're going to get up earlier and fix coffee for those drunks. This is a tough sponsor. And one of the differences between a therapist who's generally gentler and a sponsor is that the only time a sponsor says the word closure is before the word mouth. I like it. But this guy finds Jesus in that group, gets delivered, his life is saved, so is his marriage. He goes down as far as he can go, and to his great surprise, hitting the bottom for him was the greatest thing that ever happened, because at the bottom he met God, and God is always up to something great. Let me say this before we close. Michael Phelps is the most successful and most decorated Olympian of all time with a total of 28 medals, 23 being gold. But after the 2012 Olympics in London, Michael retired and was struggling. He started sinking lower, going down into a very dark place. Watch the video clip.
1: That's a train wreck. Now was just like a time bomb waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. Yeah, there were times where I didn't want to be here. It was just not good. I was just so sort of lost. Where do I go from here? What do I do now? For a moment, I thought it was going to be the end of my life, literally. You know, like, I was like, yeah, it would probably just be better without me. People won't have to deal with the, the BS that I give them, or the crap I put him through. I didn't really leave my room, didn't eat, didn't really sleep. I just figured that it was the best thing to do was just to end my life.
0: Advice from longtime friend, mentor, and fellow Baltimore icon, Ray Lewis,
1: lifted Phelps. I'm like, baby boy, listen to me. This is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. Don't shut down, because if you shut down, we we all lose. And so we started to reinstall, and him was, let me show you who you are. I wanna expose to you really who you are.
0: Lewis and others close to Phelps eventually convinced him to seek help at The Meadows, a behavioral rehabilitation facility just outside Phoenix. Phelps also buried himself in a book Ray Lewis had given him, The Purpose Driven Life.
1: It's turned me into believing that there is a power greater than myself and there is a purpose for me on this planet. Second, third day he got in and he called me. He was like, man, this book is crazy. He was like, the things that's going on, oh my gosh, my brain is... Bro, I'm, I'm, I am I cannot thank you freaking enough, man. Like, you saved my life. And so that was the moment when I started to hear he coming out of it, he, he, will, he will make it. And then he started calling me with things he was reading from the book and I was like, it's sinking in. For a long time, I thought I was to bring the family back together, baby. My therapist said, well, you failed, how does that feel? And then I read this and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I think it helped me when I was in a place where I needed the most help. It's the best, just being able to have the people who love me for me always there every day and supporting me. It's just incredible. So It hasn't been the easiest road, and you know we've had some bumps in it, but I had a goal of making my fifth Olympic team, and I'm enjoying the ride more now than I ever have in the past. When I hang my suit up for the final time, put all the medals and the records aside, as long as I can say I did everything I wanted. Come on, Mike. This is a sport that I fell in love with because my mom put me in for water safety. And it turned into this. I know what my career will always mean to me something that I dreamt of, and I've lived. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters.
0: I love that, because you don't get to choose your fish. And Ray Lewis became the fish God used to rescue a human being. And it's funny, I mean, Ray had a terrible past as well. And God uses people you don't like, you don't recognize, that you wouldn't think at all could be significant in turning somebody's life towards God. I just love that. Michael would go on to compete in the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro where he won five gold medals, one silver. He announced his second retirement in August of 2016. He's married, of course, has two boys and another one on the way. This Jonah, oh Michael, who was such a success, was so grateful that God brought him all the way down because at the bottom he met God. And he learned that the dangerous place wasn't at the bottom. The dangerous place is usually at the top. That's the story of Jonah. And that's why what looks like tragedy ends up a comedy. And that's your life too and mine if you want it. That's the sign of Jonah. Jesus comes and said, if you'll meet me, if you'll just let me, I'll meet you at the cross. I'll meet you at a tomb. I'll meet you at your lowest place. And there's a third day coming if you'll meet me. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.